0: Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Wang. Martin here, Electronically Yours as always. Today's incredible guest actually is a person who's familiar in every front room in the country for decades. He's the six times world snooker champion Steve Davis, who has now reinvented himself as a musician, DJ, he's a big fan of music anyway, He big fan of prog rock. Uh, originally but he's now become a musician in his own right and a dj he performed at glastonbury and he he's part of a group called the utopia strong who um perform all over the place and he plays modular synthesizer who knew so anyway here he is you all know who he is but you don't know this part of his life probably here is steve davis
1: doesn't help that um because of the fact that i did you know i sort of like uh, you know i know you're embracing the world of sound installations now i've got um i've got a Bosch um um washing machine going on in the background uh, it's got about uh three minutes left of its last spin cycle i thought you'd appreciate the uh the field recordings well,
0: of- i i i think it sounds like a uh a- a track from an avant-garde album to me yeah. and also three minutes a... left of a spin cycle i think that's quite good and also there's um there's some workmen doing some you know, there's a, a dumper truck truck out of the back so i picked we picked the wrong time it's perfect oh, it's, I listen zoom is amazing for cutting all that shit out so it's that's why i use it anyway um first of all just want to say how much oh, i'm enjoying listening to your oh thank uh, you your uh, your uh, medical grade music um, it's really good, actually, and very wow. interestingly <laughs> constructed. Uh, I would recommend anybody who listens to audio um, books to aud- uh, audiobooks, go and download it immediately. I think it's really good.
1: Well, thank you so much. Well, we had so much fun writing it, um, especially during the, that weird time a couple of years back. It gave us a little bit of, uh, of direction, and it was a strange book to write in as much as... Um, it started out being a sort of an idea to recommend loads of albums and ended up being just a sort of story of a couple of people's weird obsessions that ended up meeting up with each other. And then um, the the weird, the the strange thing that happened as a result of that, uh, but by DJing and also ending up in a band, which is, you know,
0: yeah, unthinkable, really. This is going to, I mean, I know this... uh podcasts will blow people's minds because I was aware of your work. uh, 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 And you're dipping into the whole world of music and electronic music in particular. Um, Without knowing it in detail, I knew you'd gone down that road. But I'm sure there are many, many people who don't uh, know this. uh, uh, And this is your passion. And for you to kind of I suppose you call it reskill, isn't it? Uh in today's world. Is it a mind-bending thing for, for a lot of people? Um so tell us, well, I I am gonna go back into your influences in a minute, but just tell us how you got into the electronic music end of things, firstly.
1: Um, well, I I was always you know, well, for many for many years, in recent years as well, I've sort of started to enjoy listening to a lot more electronic music that I didn't know was around first time round. So in the 90s, when I was in Sheffield, wandering up Division Street, <laughs> I wasn't aware of Warp Records. Right. Uh, you know, I was into soul music and funk and stuff like that. Me
0: too,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't even know about this stuff. And, you know, I didn't know of Sheffield's great history in this world as well. So, yeah. Um, uh, it was only later, when I started to do a radio show on a local community radio station in Brentwood, that I we started getting and I started doing this with Carvos Tarabi in the end. But we started getting guests on, and a couple of guests from um, a, a band that plays sort of electronic music um, were picking the music for the for the for the show, and they played a lot of electronic star music. And I thought, well, wow, uh, yeah, I didn't really know. You know, I was so ignorant of this. I, I was in a, a soul music rabbit hole and um, I then started to investigate, you know, the the field much more so, which led me to going to Cafe Otto a little bit more than I'd ever done before. And I bumped into a gentleman called Mike Bourne, who was a support act on the evening of one one show. And he was playing a modular synthesizer. Ah, I looked at this box, and and I didn't really put two and two together and think, oh, this was um, you know, tangerine, you know, this been yeah, tangerine, yeah, arms over the years, but I didn't even, yeah, you know, this was in a small box, flashing lights and wires, and I thought, there's no keyboard.
0: Wow, I'm I, I This looks like fun, and you don't have to have any skill. Uh, <laughs> so, that was well, the main attraction for me checking uh, a big electronic museum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I read about your uh, you're not not thinking you had any keyboard skills, but I'm sure you have. But well, um, I have managed to acquire some by accident. over okay. I'm, about, I'm 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 a bit better than I am as a snooker player, which is like my maximum break ever was 30, 36, I think. So yeah, uh, exactly. I think you're a little bit ahead of me on that one. Well, maybe not now. Maybe not
1: now. We're on the same we're on the same level.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: maybe. <laughs> no, I ended up acquiring this uh, this box of um, of magic and. My friends um, at the time, I, I bumped into Carves Tarabi many years before, who was a uh, you know a musician and um, you know and, and, and had been in bands like Cardiacs and Gong and this and, and well at the time not but and then another friend of ours, um, uh, Mike Mike York, who who had been played in Coil towards the latter end of the years and um, in Current '93, and I sort of got some level of proficiency on on the modular synthesizer, but really it was controlling me to a large degree and we just went we, we met up and had a bit of fun with it and um the end result was we sat back that night and listened to all of our you know improvisation and we went wow some parts of this are really you know let like, you know, a 20 minute piece of messing around after sort of 10 minutes we hit a groove and went oh that sounds all right yes we could make an album so we made an album, and then we thought, well, we, you know, let's try and find a record label. Just if not, we'll put it out ourselves. And Rocket Recordings, who um, are a you know, really sort of forward-thinking record label, went, "Yeah, we'll put this out." Wow! So before not too you know long had passed, we had an album out, and also Rocket Recordings were saying, "Well, obviously if we put this album out. You'll you'll need to tour." And that was, that was the biggest mind-blowing. Because <laughs> and Mike were like, yeah, of course we'll tour. And then it dawned on me what they were talking about, was that actually we'd be on a stage playing, I, you know, I, and I had no plans that this was going to be my life. And all of a sudden, the next phase was I was turning up to walk on a stage to play a modular synthesizer. Wow. And I'm still trying to get my head around. And when, but, what, when was this? Uh, this was uh, 2019,
0: just so before COVID. Then was it?
1: Yeah, so uh, we had a little tour. We had a sort of first little tour of a few dates in the latter part of 2019, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so like sort of now, I sort of have to pinch myself in as much as I think we've counted up. Yeah, because it's obviously only a small sort of you yeah, know, yeah. genre, but I think we've done over 50 gigs. Great, and like I don't. If anybody had told me, you know, five years ago this this was going to happen, yeah, you know, how could you have possibly
0: have known what was going to happen? Uh, know. that's incredible, isn't it? And uh, you do uh, uh, you're continuing to do gigs now, is that right? Yes. So yeah, we so we we had
1: um we've had two albums out on our uh, uh, studio albums out. We've done a few independent releases, um, um like limited edition private pressings of. Gigs and rehearsals that yeah. are long-form things—and and, and it has been a, an absolute joy. Um, and it's sort of, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. It's—I don't know where to put it in the world of professions. But if I've been very fortunate in as much as two of my hobbies have become professions, which is—if you have one hobby that becomes a profession, you're
0: you're very lucky, I think, in life. That's right. If I have two. I feel very blessed. So I'm you know. still waiting. For somebody to tell me I've got to do a real job, to be honest. Well,
1: I mean I mean all of I mean all of how you've 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 morphed into being moving into the world of sound installations and all of yeah. this. My, my partner, she she's very impressed with, with what we're doing now because um and she she's uh, she was over the moon when she found out because not so much your good self, but obviously do, don't take this personally, but she knows that you know John Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and she's a big fat so she, <clears throat> she's invited you around for dinner. Oh, really? As long as you bring John Fox. No, unfortunate. No, oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm also I'm also happy of...
0: to put a blonde wig on. It's actually
1: good. <laughs> I'm also yeah I'm also in awe of the fact you know I'm I'm actually speaking to somebody who once had a a, a mobile disco called Blitz Queen.
0: Yeah, how did you know? Oh yeah, it's in my book, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it it was, yes. <laughs> yeah uh, Blitz Queen. What a great title that was. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, um, okay, so let's go back. To um, how it all started, really. I mean, I'm not going to really go through your entire history, as you know. uh, Everybody knows how successful you you were as a um, a snooker player, and you're part of uh, you're a national treasure. I think it's it's safe to say, and you obviously continued in good humour. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, taking on board the whole interesting uh, thing and and what have you. Um, for people to see you uh, commentating on the on TV, you know, you are genuinely a loved personality on television. And there aren't many people who can, co- can maintain that over a period of time. So I've got maximum respect for that alone, let alone the fact you won all those world titles and stuff. Um, and for you to... Pivot. I think the current contemporary term is into making your your uh, passion into something that is a creative force.
1: It's yeah,
0: not something to be sneezed at. Is that's hard. I, I'm yeah. And do you, do you agree with me? Well, well, yes.
1: I I think you know I, I I because it wasn't a plan. I feel as if I've been fortunate to stumble upon two gentlemen uh, that are in 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 our band. Um, who are great forces of nature as well. So uh, I, I've been led in a way down a, a path because I know these people. I don't think I would have had the inclination to to do anything other than mess around with the modular synth had that not been the case, but it's moved another step forward. And I can only thank them for pushing me down that road because it's been an absolute joy. And to see another side of... of creativity which I don't feel that sport is necessarily anything like that although people would say it's an art form but I think it's much more of a control thing you know Mm. especially snooker or a ball game you are you are you're drawn to it because you you have this sort of like you're a control freak (laughs) Um, and, and um and Moving into the world of music and creativity in that world it is, um, I feel it's another another place, but I'm so pleased it happened because I've had an insight at the very least into what it's like to start off with uh, improvising and then take it full circle to making that into an album. And also the scariness and joy of improvising on stage and then listening back to if it's been recorded and going, wow, there were moments of that. that yeah, were- they were transcendent. Yeah, Yeah, and, that pin- and then pinching myself and thinking I was involved in that. And I'm still sort of coming to terms with that. There's a bit of imposter syndrome going on, but I'm sort of getting there. And um, yeah, what a-, what a joy to have been involved in that. So what's, so the-, what's the brand of the synth? Sense- the module of the synth is just a, a load of different modules all walloped in, in the box. Well, like Eurorack or something. Yeah, all Eurorack stuff, yeah. I've not um, I've not gone down any road of uh, anything other than Eurorack, really. And, and I'm sure it would be a lot simpler on stage to have um, pre-programmed groove boxes and stuff like that. But the, the, it's, the fun of doing Eurorack stuff is, is what it was all about in the first place. So I still feel the need to go on a stage and be riding a riding a a thoroughbred horse <laughs> not really knowing what yeah it could all go wrong
0: and then hopefully that's the, the excitement of it right yeah. so um I, I know this from personal experience but the the i've never been looking to have a big uh modular synth on stage mine was always kind of quite small and rolling system 100 but anyway um what i was gonna say is um do you have an ambition to who, who are your idols in this field? Now you're at this point, you know, you've got, I mean, I would probably say in if I was you, I'd be going, oh, maybe I could be Vangelis or, you know, or I, I don't know. But what, who are your idols in this well, respect? Uh,
1: idols would be, even though they're not old, they're not from the past that far back, because I because I wasn't really aware of that yeah. sort of in the 80s and something. So if I was looking at the the people that I admire, um, obviously Olteca would spring to mind. Yeah, brilliant. Tim Hecker. Um, I really love um, a gentleman from uh, from Sweden, Biosphere, and also um, a German guy um, goes under the name of Gas. So I'm I'm very much into sort of a lot of repetitive electronic stuff that 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 changes and morphs over a long period of time. time.
0: Yeah, uh, so dronescapes as well and stuff uh,
1: like yeah. that. Yeah, so and also sort of like retrospectively, like I, I I follow a guy on uh YouTube who does a wonderful um YouTube video and he goes under the name of Stunt Rock Confusion, um Stunt Rock all one word. And he's a he's a guy that he's a sweet um he's a French guy he's in Sweden who um who used to be a techno DJ but has moved on to um Recommending a lot more ambient and electroacoustic um, and out there you know, music, concrete and things like that. And I follow some of his advice. Invite- he, he's got so much knowledge on great albums I've never ever heard of before. So I'm getting into a lot of the like the Nick Harris stuff and and yeah. feel and a lot of these bands that I really didn't know around at the time. So yeah, I'm retrospectively sort of digging digging through a lot of his recommendations and finding that he has. You know, he, he's got a great strike rate for the stuff I like that I didn't yeah. know was out there. So, you know, so oh, yeah, so
0: incredible yeah. is this that I'm talking to you about all this stuff in such depth. <laughs> it just uh, really blowing my mind. So, you're kind of into, I'm going to go back to your prog rock roots in a minute because we have a lot to talk about there. But um, you're obviously into this kind of idea of a continuum performance. It's like this kind of evolving soundscape thing with sequences etc cetera, etc cetera. and um is it is it the how does that relate to your to the world of snooker because you must have you must have to have a kind of you must be have to be i don't know how to describe it we have to be in a real focus zone in snooker to achieve the kind of level of excellence and i, I should imagine there's a bit of a similarity there Well, I think
1: the only similarity might be that you you have a certain amount of um, you're able to repeat a lot. You you want to do the same thing that that you don't Uh but yeah, you don't you don't have a problem. You don't get bored quickly with something if you become obsessed with it. So maybe there's an obsessive nature there somewhere. But it also just may be a coincidence because I I still don't think there's very much of a crossover between being very good at a control sport and having any interest in music uh, as a as a type of
0: obsession yeah but I, I want to interrupt you there sorry to say when you're building a lot a large break because i love snooker right i'm just not very good at it when you're building a large break you you're in the world of visualizing you know many moves ahead really in terms of how you want to build that break and I, you know, maybe this is a specious point, but there's a certain amount of that in the kind of semi-improvisational thing that you, you're you probably involved in. I've done some of that stuff. I did an improvised album with the BBC Radiophonic Workshop guys, the original guys, which was fucking awesome, frankly. Uh, and a lot of it was garbage. Uh, but the bits that were good, it's a bit like what you were saying, you go... I was there at that moment where it all came together, you know. And um, anyway, I think there probably all right. I've stretched the analogy between snooker and music far enough, but I do believe there is something in it.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm basing my um, my judgment on a cross section of um, other snooker players, and right. I don't see. And I'm not. I'm not saying they don't like music because we all like music. Um, but not everyone oh yeah and, and and everybody's choice is their own is their own best music in the world so i never i don't judge i used to maybe but I now i don't judge anybody's taste in music but um i don't see many snooker players having music as as an obsession other than maybe one or two three right. you know, that i know of you know uh, that they, they are sort of obsessed by certain things uh so that's my only judgment when it comes to my own sort of involvement in... I've always had an obsession with listening to music and collecting records and that obsession on its own, which is another thing completely. So I'm only judging it by that. Right. But, well, maybe the same things apply, but I, I'm not absolutely sure that the the getting the ball in the hole obsession has really anything to do with the 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 creativity area, I think it comes into, it. it, obviously you're in a better position than me because you're judging it from the far, or or somebody else could judge it, but I'm not absolutely sure they have anything in common. But maybe they, the only thing they do have in common is that if you've got the right type of brain or you're slightly on the spectrum or whatever it is. I think everybody is. Yes, yeah. You have the possibility to be, to go down a, to go down a path that
0: becomes much more intense than what is uh, whatever the norm is. I'm going to put this out to the podcast listeners, actually. I need your opinions on whether you think the focus required for an intense uh, sport like uh, snooker is anything like the kind of focus you might need to have to create evolving soundscapes. There you go. That's a question I didn't think I'd be asking today. Right, let's go, go, go on, sorry.
1: The other thing, which is something that you are very lucky at, and that would apply to, I suppose, going on stage and certainly playing a competitive sport, is you don't know whether you have the temperament to achieve this in a competitive environment. You may be very good in a club, uh, in your bedroom, yeah. you don't know until you actually then go to the next level, whether you've got what it takes to perform yes. people, and that's another part of it. So I was very lucky that I, I had the right temperament to be able to play, not just be able to play. So you know, that's something I don't think you can teach in the same yeah. way as you can't teach genuine
0: musical talent. Yeah, um, I'm always interested in things that go wrong for people. And, you know, obviously there's an enormous amount of potential for things going wrong in at the highest level of any sport, you know. But uh, particularly solo sports, you know, you can just have a meltdown on a particular day and things just go tits up, frankly. Um, And I'm, I'm fascinated with how people respond to that, you know. Say, for instance, uh, uh, you you, I don't know, went out of the early stage of a world championship or something unexpectedly against a much lower rank. do you how what is your response? What would be your response naturally to that?
1: Um,
0: a couple of days of
1: of you know being a bit sort of down, but then, you know, nobody's died. And there's another tournament around the corner that you then have to get ready for, and and you you resolve you, tr- you resolve in your own mind what went wrong. It, there may not have been anything went wrong. The other guy may have done, person may have done very well, um, yeah. and on the day you just had a bad day, and then you try to put right what you think may have been the problem, and then the next tournament, the next time you get the chance to do it you get closer to it and you get the excitement and the nerves getting, so there's always the the horse to get back on. Yes. Um, and whilst that's out there, you know, say the sort of like, you know, going back to Sheffield where I've had some wonderful moments and obviously a couple of other, you know, a couple of times when it wasn't so wonderful. Uh, and if it's in the public eye, it seems like it's a bigger event, but then, Give it a few months. There's another tournament. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That for me was. I, I didn't really ever beat myself up too badly about that. So you know, I lost to Dennis Taylor in the final of the eighty-five final, missed the, the last final ball, but oh, I don't know. By October, I'd played a, a match where I potted the final ball, and it was then that scar has gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so far, touch some wood. That'll do. <laughs> Uh, So far, other than some of the early live performances we've done with the Utopia Strong, I've never had an absolute mare on. It's not gone totally wrong. Uh, (laughs) For about a minute of a gig, I I actually failed to turn my synthesizer main volume up and then thought that the sound guy had messed it up. But I I realized relatively quickly, that was a bit of a panic. Yeah, And I've had a couple of times early on where I've wanted to run a million miles from where I was because I really thought that I was, you know, I wasn't able to do what was required. But I haven't had that in the musical world yet. So wow.
0: I well, it will happen, I assure you. Um, you. I, we once did a gig where um, we were headlining, I think it was Gay Pride in Brighton, and um, a big outdoor gig. And unbeknownst to us, there was a curfew at 10 o'clock in the evening. And the previous bands had been going on slightly later, slightly later. And the p- producers had not really got it under control. So it came to our set, which was a kind of fixed length. And um, of course, we finished with Temptation, you know, M17, uh, big number. And it got to like one minute to 10, which is when the curfew was. And the guy from from the local authority, Went up to the generator <laughs> and literally pulled the multicore out in the middle wow. of temptation. Lights went off. Everything went off. Our manager, this was like something out of Kirby Your by the way. Our manager at the time was a bit of a nutcase. He wrestled with the guy. <laughs> we were <laughs> watching it at the side of the stage. We go, what the fuck is going on? He was wrestling with the guy to get the thing back in so the power would come back on. And they were fighting on the floor. Eventually, we got it back in, and we managed to subdue this guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, hope you never have to go through anything like that. It was really – there was, like, 25,000 people, you know. Anyway. Well, that's
1: um, what,
0: that's not, ah, but that's that wasn't your fault. No, but the thing is, when people are watching you, it all comes back to you, right? They don't know what's going on. They didn't see what was going on. They just go – oh they're shits you know anyway whatever
1: um, I, I recently watched um the documentary called train wreck uh, um, oh my
0: god it's good isn't uh, it?
1: yeah yeah it was uh, it woodstock 1999. Yeah. fortunately you were there
0: yeah i uh, did you have you seen the fire festival yeah. one as well uh, they're so brilliant those things aren't they but i mean that's america is america's I, I actually know someone who um was in was one of the four main prime movers for the original woodstock uh, she was a friend of mine and they said they literally have no idea how big or the scale of magnitude it was going to be it was just like one of those moments in time where the, it was out of control the yeah. original woodstock i'm talking about now and uh, fortunately there was a few problems but mainly it was okay but i can completely Having done, you know, we once played a gig to 300,000 people in Battersea Park, which is another gay pride event. It was like Wembley Stadium in the old days, as far back as you could see, into the distance. And going, this is just insane. And anything could go wrong. You know, there could be a stampede. I don't know how they deal with the health and safety stuff there. But, you know, anyway, it all went well. Uh, Let's go back to your prog rock. Um, love because um, I'm a big fan of prog rock. Uh, it, it was my main influence in the 70s, and um, there wasn't much else around other than popular. I don't know. It was the, it was flavour of the, that period
1: of the, the 70s, wasn't it?
0: It was, and uh, I, I, and particularly I saw Magma back in the day, which you did uh, at Sheffield City Hall, and it completely blew my mind, like you. Um. Uh, the I'm, I've just been listening to it again this morning just to refresh my memory. <laughs> and, uh, and the one thing I remember from that gig was Christian Vander got through, I think, five snare skins, because oh, wow. he was hitting the drums so hard that he just had to keep replacing them. That guy was a monster.
1: Yeah, he's calmed down a bit now. He's, get, he's he doesn't hit the. I don't think he hits the drum as hard now.
0: I have <laughs> never seen a drummer, and I've worked with forty years in the music industry, oh. hit a drum as hard as that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I went.
1: Um, I was a big. I wasn't. I wasn't every type of prog rock fan. Who didn't? Had... Who didn't you like? Tell me. That's that's what I I'm. I'm like. That's unfair because I, I, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, and I'm not going to say their name. All right, fair enough. I, I wasn't um, uh, so I, I yeah I was listening to all of the stuff. Yeah, you know, I was listening to Yes and Genesis, and I liked it. But 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 out of the big names, they didn't all of their stuff didn't really do it for me. Just occasionally, I felt a lot of it wasn't as out there as as I uh, maybe Did, the, <clears> throat> throat> Did you like Van der Graaf Generator? I I didn't uh-huh. just. But I didn't really, absolutely embrace them. But I did like Gentle Giant for some reason. They ticked my boxes, and obviously I was also in the right place in the country to really like a lot of what was called the Canterbury scene. So Robert Wyatt, Hatfield in the North, Caravan, <coughs> the Caravan were the, probably the most accessible ones of the um, of the pro, of the of the the, the Canterbury scene. Um, you know, and then Henry Cow and getting- Henry Cow, yeah, so man. This stuff was all of a sudden I realized this stuff was a little bit more out there than Yes and Genesis, kind of jazzy as well. Yeah. Right. So, these were the types of things that I was started to prefer, but of course, it all came under the umbrella of prog rock. So, if you like those bands, you also were a prog rock fan, but but there were other bands that really didn't necessarily tick any of my. Any of those boxes for me, but they were obviously there or thereabouts. But I went to see I went to see um, a band called Isotope. Which, no, I remember that. And, um, sorry, apologies. Um, uh, it was a sort of an offshoot band. Hugh Hopper had moved on and was uh, was uh, the basis for Isotope. And I went along to see Isotope that was supporting Magma at Chalk Farm Roundhouse at the time called. Right. And that's when I stumbled onto Magma, and that's when it all changed. I thought this band are on another level. So, subsequent to that, I started to investigate more bands from France, and you know, bands like uh, Universe Zero, Art Zoid, Richard Pinhas, um, and realised that that the world wasn't just UK. Yes, and you know. T- and when I now listen to some podcasts of people that are recommending music that I like, electronic music, mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, other stuff as well, I, I'm, I'm amazed that, I, you know, this. the UK is pretty narrow-minded is. compared to, to Europe. And it would be nice to have, you know, the influences, say you lived in France, you have so many more influences, and the UK the UK has been quite sort of narrow in that
0: world. Oh, I think so. And uh, were you a big fan of German? Um... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Of course. Yes. Uh, and so th- these bands, um, these bands
1: were, yeah, obviously part of, you know, Neu and uh, um, Faust and all these. Uh, yeah. uh, I had one good f- uh, friend at school who was into into this type of music, so we'd swap tapes, you know, the same as you all would at the time. So I was I was very much aware of of uh, all of the German influence as well. But I do think though that whilst the um, the the crowd rock yeah. scene, which has been which has its own section in a in a record shop, um, so to speak, Um, the French scene
0: Just as mighty, but has never been embraced as much. I never knew about the French scene, and I'm 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 guilty of that. I I never really understood it.
1: It hasn't got. It hasn't got. It hasn't got. It's it's not called Frog Rock. So, so therefore, that wouldn't
0: be good, would it?
1: No, no. But I mean, you can. How how unfortunate if if there was something called that that it had more of a it had more of a following because it had this thing. Attached to it that that, uh, that the the Kraut rock uh, name had, but um, I, I maybe some of the German music had more of that that um, the, the the drum the drum beat was was something that everybody could hang their hat on.
0: Yeah, I, I mean some of it was pretty yeah. damn abstract. I mean I bought the um, the early Faust, you know the Faust album that was fifty p. Remember yeah. that? Um, <laughs> and I, I also saw Gong. I know you're a fan of. All that stuff. Uh, I saw Gong in their cheese rock phase, um, performing in the car park at Virgin Records at the bottom of the moor in Sheffield. And they were throwing out uh paper plates with cheese rock like stenciled onto it into the crowd. I'm going, What is this? I liked it, but I couldn't understand it. You know, and of course you get David Allen who goes on to do some interesting stuff. Um, yeah. I was a big fan of um Can. I really like
1: can Funnily enough they they weren't they weren't my f- favorite at the time, but I sort of I've sort of like gone to like them now and and one of the great things about it they started to reissue or issue a lot of previous um live recordings and what was amazing was was how different they all are and they were very much an improvisational band which so you know big hand to that yeah so so that that period of uh, the time, I wasn't really listening to a lot of can back then but um I was was definitely, you know, Noé, Harmonia, I think, were an amazing band. I don't know. We were an offshoot of Noé. Oh, uh, uh, Oh, right, Okay. And um, an interesting fact was Michael Rother was booked to do um, an aborted festival at Prestatin a number of years back. (laughs) Um, But he still had a couple of other gigs. One was in, I think, in Leeds and another was in Nottingham. And it was during the time the World Snooker Championship was on in Sheffield. And an article came out on the internet that he was a snooker fan because uh, Euros- oh, right. Eurosport had started showing a lot of snooker. And so um, it, 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 just in a random interview, but I really like watching snooker. So oh. I
0: contacted
1: him and invited him to the World Snooker Championship and met him. So that was really lovely.
0: Oh, I love that idea. So, um, okay, so now, of course, your most successful record was snooker loopy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to, I don't, I know you've had some big hits, so I can't, I can't, I can't usurp you in that department. But, um, you know, like getting to number six in the charts uh, in 1986 was, was a bit of a shock. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's sad to think that that anybody that's watching this is looking at two pop stars. (laughs) And, um, you know, we may have been higher. If it wasn't for the fact that the chicken song was out at the same
0: time. It's quality by timing. <laughs> I okay. had the same thing with, um, Oh God, what pips us to number one? It was candy girl by new edition came out of the blue out of nowhere, as it mentions in the uh, autobiography. And then, and then we were going to be number one the week after that, cause that dropped like a stone. <laughs> and then, and then bloody true came out the next week. You know, um, Spandau uh, Ballet missed out twice. At least, at least I've looked. I've looked it up online. Uh,
1: the week we were number six in the charts with Chaz and Dave and the Matchroom Mob. I mean, if you've not heard this record, don't bother. Don't. But no, it's a, it's a, it's a pop. Yeah, it's a pop yeah. tune. Uh, it is what it is. But and, and Chaz and Dave are great songwriters. But um, we yeah. were ahead of that that week in the charts. We were ahead of madonna george benson and i think prince or somebody like that whatever it was i, I mean you know, i always we, said that was better than prince yeah, <laughs> yeah so so uh, what an experience you know to have a video on top of the pops i mean obviously you've lived that life but for us it was just a laugh oh no it?
0: it's, it's crazy and it's like when the, you hear about the uh i don't know talk sport or something talk about the, you know various uh, football players come on talking about being absolutely smashed doing like world cup songs on top on top of the pops alan brazil t- tells a good story about Were you mind did you go on top of the- were you miming away or did you well, you I know think- at certain periods they only let you mime. you know it's hard to believe now because then they- then they went to the other extreme where they- it was mandatory to do the live vocals and everything which wasn't such good news for a lot of people um but there was an entire period where you had to mine and you didn't have how any was, option how were your mining skills um gee, awesome yeah i once went on top of the pops um miming rhythm guitar and i don't play guitar <laughs> so there you go i, I look cool though i look like somebody out of chic it was good um no but those are the days weren't they when uh oh my god i saw a grace jones uh, video yesterday which i would never seen before she was doing pull up to the bumper on some european show and you probably didn't have this problem with snooker loopy because it was very uk based but often you get flown over to go and do random kind of uh, european tv shows and you think well no buggers ever going to see this in the uk so we can do what we want well clearly grace was somewhat enhanced and she'd done this show. It was on uh, RTF, which is German, I think, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she completely, she was doing dancing at the start and she was looking kind of funky and looking beautiful. And, and she got it all planned, obviously, to walk onto the stage and reach the mic at the right because think of this, this a long intro which is funky she missed it by about 20 seconds <laughs> so like the voice is going on she's nowhere near the microphone she tries to style it out and she's got literally no idea where the cues are in the song at all so you've got to be careful with that shit, really um okay let's move on um so yeah robert wyatt has got an important place in your affections didn't he
1: yeah, well, I, th- I, th- I think if you were into into that style of music back then, and I don't know how he was, um, I don't know how many people were listening, who were prog rock fans were listening to Rock Bottom Robert Wyatt's album. But I mean, you know, for me now, if I was if I was ever going to do a desert and an, an up to date Desert Island Discs of, you know,
0: genuinely. You've been on Desert Island Discs.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, but when I went there, I was yeah, you know, I, I was actually interviewed by Roy Plumley back in this in the eighties. You know. Mm. Yeah, one of the original, yeah, the original, but um, yeah, interviewing a 20 year old is a, I don't see the point, you know, yeah, no life. All I'd done was put a ball in the hole with a stick, I, you know, so what you know, would have been a crap story. Um, but I remember playing what I didn't like about Desert Island Discs was they never played the the track, they played a snippet of the track.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: so for me, sort of, as a, as a sort of, you know, a sort of a fan of music as opposed to just, oh, I like this track. I always felt like Desert Island just, whilst I understand where it's coming from, it always seems a bit disrespectful to cut a track in, you know, butcher a track. So um, I think I may have in the past sort of recent years gone, no, I don't want to do it. But um, my mate Barry Herm was on there recently and everybody went, oh, I listened to that. It was great. And he was, yeah, I can understand the programme. It's not about the music, but... And it's about the fact you know if you were on a desert island what would you pick it doesn't you can then go and investigate but if i was if i was genuinely going to be stranded with say 10 albums i think rock bottom would yes. would have to be one of them and of course uh robert wyatt um who you know had a you know a really a really bad accident and then yes. there was, i think in 74 there was um a a a a concert put on in that's so now an album you can get it which was a, a gig put on to sort of probably raise money for him as and i was at that gig so that was quite amazing i was you know to think i was there when uh the, you yeah know, when- an
0: incredibly talented guy i think yeah, and, 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 some,
1: yeah. and not just rock bottom obviously his whole output's amazing
0: yeah yeah uh, we have another thing in common actually which is um clothing the clothing glasses uh, you've got more hair than me. I'll give you that. Um, wow, not really. But, uh, and that saves them. And, um, but um, Neil Young's Harvest was the first full price yeah. album I think I ever got. I love that album so
1: much to this day. You lucky bastard. I didn't have the money for the album. I just had to buy the single.
0: Well, here's a little uh, secret. Um, I stole the album from Debenhams. I know my mum. If she was still alive, would absolutely be horrified. But (laughs) (laughs) business. I know I'm a naughty boy. Uh, I went through a brief period of stealing records, but anyway, um, it didn't last long. When once somebody it looked like a policeman was going to collar me, so I thought better better stop this. Um, Don't do it, kids. Bad idea. (laughs) Um, So, Martin. Yes.
1: There's no kids listening to this. <laughs>
0: You'd be surprised, really. Yeah, can I, I well. see all the demographics? And oh, okay. uh, there aren't that many kids per se, but there are. Oh, if any kids listening? Uh, have you got any clue who we used to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you any idea who I am? Yeah. <laughs> Just can you let me know because I'm, I'm starting down that path. That's anyway, um, say so you're an MBE, OBE uh you know all that stuff what do you rank to uh, awards like that
1: i was i was delighted to um to be given an mbe and an obe uh, mm. and it was more about the fact that snooker got recognition yeah
0: yeah and yeah
1: my, my views on how it all pans out yeah so yeah I, i'm not going to go into any of that but i i just thought you know wow snooker has always been a working class sport and it's always had this second class you know it wasn't the same it was never put in the same bracket as tennis or golf and it was always like the sign of a misspent youth and all of that so the fact that it got recognition and it was massively popular especially in the 80s um where it sort of took off and the fact that we got awards and we were on tv i was like proud for snooker that that this yeah uh, it was our pastime that had been oh uh, you you play Snooker you've wasted your youth um I was proud for Snooker for that reason so yeah and it, it, it was an experience uh getting these things but um I've never really been a person that's that's been I've I don't have a trophy cabinet right it, it was all about doing it was all about doing it it was all for you know nothing to do with the the, the achievement the achievement's gone. Right. It's the next match. So the fact of getting awards for recognition for whatever, that was okay, thanks. But yeah, there's other things, there's other things. And I'm and I'm not that's no disrespect to anybody. It's no, just no, no,
0: no, of course. Of that's, course.
1: that's the way My and I think it's probably the same for a lot of people. It's very it's a nice thing to get some because it is obviously well, back in the eighties, at some stage, hard to believe,
0: I got awarded Sports Personality of the Year. I know all about this. I remember watching it on the telly. I remember thinking, this is fantastic.
1: How did I get sports personality?
0: <laughs> what personalities? Listen, you've got plenty of personality. There's yeah. no problem there. Um, I really like the fact that you, you, you've been involved in things like I'm Celebrity and all that stuff. How was that for you?
1: Well very easy you get a shed load of money and you get a holiday the only thing you don't get is food right um so did
0: you have to do any challenges
1: no because jerry essex was in there that year and and everybody voted jerry to do all of the challenges so i had
0: such an easy ride right Um, it's a great do they get do they dock some of your pay if if you go out early do you get more pay if you finish and win they, I think they dock pay if you
1: jump ship before your allotted amount of time. Oh, okay. But once you get to the voting stage, you're you're home and dry. If that was the case, you know. Oh, okay. But if you if you opt out early because you go, oh, I don't like it, right? Uh, and you haven't done your amount of, like
0: John Lydon, for instance. Uh,
1: yeah. So apparently, then you sort of you, know, you get docked. Apparently, but um, I
0: yeah.
1: I was um. It was amazing. i tell you one thing it was amazing for was that in the space of 20 days, I lost 16 pounds in weight. Wow.
0: It shows how overfed we are in the West, doesn't it, really?
1: Exactly. And what it proved to me is that there's nothing wrong with being hungry um, because you're not going to die. But the world we live in, the moment you are hungry, you feel like you need energy. That's right. We are brainwashed into thinking that we need food all the time when actually it's not a bad thing to wake up in the morning and have three or four hours without eating anything. Well, You're, I, I do that anyway. We're so. not going to die. Yeah. yeah. It's, but we, we are brain... Yeah, we are. So that was incredible. You go in there, you have no sugar whatsoever. You have no very little carbs. They give you They give you rice and beans, uh, soya beans, and... Um, that turns into some sort of superfood that can keep you going for a yep. certain amount of time. You win a certain amount of food in there and you are starving.
0: But uh, you actually come out lean and mean. Yeah, there you go. I like this is your positivity coming through, you see. I love <laughs> that. It's so lovely to see it. Um, so he did that. And then, so we got, um, I mean, you do, when are you DJ in clubs, um, I, What kind of clubs do you DJ? Well, what
1: happened was uh, I was doing a radio show at a community radio station in Brentwood and then um, with Carvas Tarabi, and we were playing a really eclectic style of music. And then out of the blue, um, a friend of ours said, there's there's a brewery tap room that wants to play music uh, the weekends. Do you fancy coming along just spinning some? So we started playing there for a while. And then our breakthrough if if you could call it that was um a couple of gentlemen from um a festival i'm sure you're aware of called block weekend yeah i've heard uh, of. yeah so that, it's not on now but it used to be uh invited us to dj at block weekend i think i think um tom york was playing holly herndon was on that weekend i forget who else was loads of different rooms uh at buttons in
0: minehead and oh um, my god we played there loads of times yeah yeah. great
1: place I was in recently as well what a lovely place as well and um, um they wanted us to DJ in the bar um <clears throat> in, in their pub as a sort of foil to all of the techno and other stuff Because yeah, yeah. we don't we don't play techno as such we just play across the board uh, sort of eclectic stuff yeah. and BBC iPlayer did a feature on it and then the next minute the phone started ringing. And our second ever official gig was Glastonbury. No. And, and we were so raw. We were so nervous and everything. But that set us on the road to DJing. Wow. And, wow. We didn't really have a brief. We just thought we'd play the tracks we know might work on a dance floor. We we didn't really know what was going to happen because these tracks weren't necessarily that well known. But we played like Hello Gallo from Noy, but not... Not everybody knew yeah, knows that. So, we were What's trying the most of- commercial
0: thing that you would have played?
1: Um, maybe we'd have played, back in the day, we'd have played um, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, right. perhaps Captain Beef Arts, a Tropical Hot Dog Night, something like that. Right. And, and we've slowly, we've continued to DJ, obviously over the lockdown part, nothing happened, but we've slowly realised that maybe for the fun of it, even though we don't want to be wedding DJs, it's nice to play some music that people like so we're int- we're slowly trying to introduce more stuff that is that people know and then right. in in between that um things that people don't know but but it, we got off to a bad start because everybody thought i was a techno dj and I, I absolutely love techno, but but there's so many great techno DJs. The last thing I want to do is be another techno DJ who can't oh, mix. Too many, more. man. Too many DJs. We're, so we're trying to be different, so we're sort of we we put ourselves out to be. Um, we're not wedding DJs. We we feel we're more like divorced DJs. That's the, that's our brief.
0: And uh, do you go out under your band name or? or uh... Yeah,
1: we, we um, um, for
0: for a while people thought my my. Um,
1: my handle was DJ Thunder Muscle. and it's a long it's a long story. okay, It's a long story, but it, it involves um a cameo appearance, a cameo appearance I had on a TV program called The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret, which was a a very funny um uh, series. And one of the greatest DJs and uh, electronic artists in the UK, a gentleman called Surgeon uh was a fan i still was a fan of the program and then i think on twitter when somebody was saying what's your dj name uh tony said uh what about dj thunder muscle and yeah. for a while it stuck <laughs> but we've worked quite hard to now i'm now going to the dj
0: name steve davis i think it's good probably- I, I think, think that's probably best isn't it yeah, it's best. yeah yeah i might have a job for you actually i've got an idea uh, yeah, well, you've got a special relationship with Sheffield, don't you, and anyway?
1: And Sheffield,
0: yeah. Well, good so idea. I'm doing a gig up there at the Sheffield University, because it made me a doctor of music for some reason. I want to and DJ. And um, I think it'd be great if you could come up and DJ up there on the Sorry. gig that we're doing, which is a big immersive 3D sound thing, probably with the Moog Ensemble. Wow. Uh, and I think it would fit perfectly, actually. When? When? Well, it's, I think it's going to be in either march or may i can't remember but anyway i'll let you i'll I'll come back to you on on that but if you're up for it i mean obviously there's not, nobody's going to get rich out of it, but it's it be an amazing night just uh, do 3d you could do 3d dj
1: oh,
0: i can show you how to do it wow, wow. well
1: all i would say is that um we've sometimes been placed in the wrong either the wrong time of the evening or the wrong setting and
0: we've really cleared the tent so if, if you need we be clearing any tents here because it's well, people coming for a a, a a a a kind of immersive experience rather than a rock gig if you know what i mean
1: let's say you need everybody out the
0: door by 12 o'clock <laughs> We're so talking... you can do a chucking out music set oh, right oh, that's our speciality perfect no it would be
1: uh,
0: before the it be the, the a walk in set and uh, and between acts set
1: what well, i quite like the idea of is of um i think there's some there's a there's a market for sunday ambient sit, yes. sit down listening music that's not yes. being, not that's not being catered for where you don't have to be playing bangers exactly but there's like an immersive experience as well. So that's something I'm trying to think about whether there's a there's a way. There's a lot more of that going on as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. The, the, I had quite a, a, a light bulb moment of, um, from a DJ. I DJ as well. Um, a friend, I did a big... Um, Are you still going I, on a white screen? <laughs> no, I don't use that. But uh, I did this um, this special event, uh late night event at the National Portrait Gallery where we... I asked various uh, musicians to create compositions based around portraits in the portrait gallery. And we had 3D sound rigs everywhere and 7,000 people turned, it was fantastic. And I asked one of my good old friends, uh, Chris Sullivan, who used to DJ at the White Club in the 80s in uh, Solo, and he does, I said, can you do something kind of arty for my event? And he said, Yeah, I do I do a DJ set. I mean, he normally does kind of rare, groovy type stuff. He said, I do a DJ set based around um film soundtracks. And I said, That sounds great. And it was amazing. So he, he basically took the inspiration of there was also a Picasso portraits exhibition on. And he he, he looked into the history of Picasso. And took inspiration from the music that was around when he was painting his famous portraits, and I just thought that's the kind of creativity I like in DJing—not just banging out some one, one, two, three BPM techno, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: anyway, uh, we've uh, we've never mixed two records together, so we're we're much, we're, we're selectors more than anything else. Yeah,
0: me too. That's that's more my style. I'm not really into beat matching and all that. Stuff. I can do it, but anyway. We're on to the smash hits type questions now, which are really stupid. But, uh, you know. I, know, I didn't know
1: this. These, these
0: Now it sounds like a quiz. I'm no good at those. No, it's not a quiz. No, no, no. It's just I just need to know, uh, for instance, what's your favourite film? <sighs> One. Oh, I,
1: it's
0: not a quiz. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, actually, I'm not going to, you know, kind of hold you to it. You can change your mind every day.
1: Okay, my my favourite film. If, I mean, there's loads of
0: it. Um, uh, is it called Primer? Primer. Pri- uh, primer. Yeah, uh, the one you mean? The uh, science fiction thing, is it?
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. still haven't got a clue. What's that? What's going on? Yeah, I like that though. And the guy, and the guy who did that. Also did Upstream Color, which was uh, another. Was yeah, another one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Primer. I love Primer because I haven't got a clue. Yeah, good. I mean, That's uh, good justification.
0: The yeah. Greasy Strangler. Yeah. Don't no, yeah. watch it. It's a B movie. C movie. Okay. C movie. Um favorite TV series or program or past um, present. I watched the
1: wire. I watched the wire over lockdown, loved it. And also um succession. Love succession. Yeah.
0: Loads I, of people say succession.
1: Looking forward to the full series. Apparently it's in the it's in the pipeline. Right, right. Uh, favorite book? I was very the only book I've ever had dreams and nightmares about was a book by um, science fiction writer Julian May, and she wrote a book called The Many Colored Land, and I think it's a really
0: amazing science fiction book. And are you into science fiction generally?
1: I was as a kid, yeah. I think that's sort of, it's a very you know. There's there's sometimes there's um, some of the writers aren't up to scratch, but they have got great ideas. Yeah, that's a good. True. If you get a good, if you get a good writer and a good idea, that some of those I think
0: are, are amazing. Philip K Dick and Harlan Ellison yeah, are my yeah, yeah, two yeah, yeah. um, favourite musical artist or composer. I mean, you don't have to say the definitive one. I mean,
1: I, I think, I think for the amount of joy over the years uh, he's given me, I think Christian Vander from Magma is is cool. quite astonishing. Um, yeah. There are others are available, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, unfulfilled ambition. Ah, come on. You know, I, I know you want to wear a cape and you want to, you you want to do uh, Six Wives of Henry the Eighth. Ah. <laughs>
1: uh. No, I've, do you know what? I, I think, I don't think I have any. I mean, it's not, I'm not giving up, but, um, I think I've been so. I mean, you know, I've been, I've played sort of like snooker. In uh, I think I, I think I don't have any. Okay, that's I an mean, honest answer. It's good. Uh, my, my 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 new ambition is to support you on on the on your
0: musical. um I, I want you to do it. I think oh, it's great.
1: To, I, want to uh, I
0: want to be your <laughs> you can be my bed. <laughs> <laughs> um. An epiphanal moment in your life? I mean, a kind of handbrake turn or a light bulb moment or. A... Well, to some degree, I think we've talked about them. I would say, I would say musically, I've had. A, 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 an,
1: I've not really thought of snooker as being anything uh, that way because once I started falling in love with it, it just was a journey I was on. But obviously, you know, winning the world championship was obviously something that you never knew was going to happen. Yeah. I think um, seeing Magma at the Roundhouse, 74, 75, 74. Uh that was just astonishing. That that felt like a Blues Brothers moment where the light shone through the Yeah,
0: through the, yeah, yeah,
1: Honestly felt like that for Magma. And I think then um actually having a record out was something that yeah, was just like what and got it in your hands and went, what on earth has happened to my life that I've now I've now got I've now got um an entry on discogs that's not just Snooker Loopy.
0: There you go. How mad is that there you go. I mean, I felt the same when my uh the actual physical book turned up of the auto, my autobiography. Wow. I thought, How did this happen? This is crazy. Uh, anyway. Um where are we? So alternate oh yeah. I mean you've already had several, but um if you hadn't have gone down the snooker route, what what alternate career do you think you might have had? Just an employee. Right. That's <laughs> a great answer. I love that.
1: I haven't got a clue. I mean, like, you know, like back then, I don't know. I have might have tried to get it. I, I thought I was okay at maths, but I don't know if I, I was, but I, I might have ended up <laughs> in, in the banking. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have been nothing, yeah, nothing, I'm sure. It's just luck that I happened to be good at putting a ball
0: in the hole with a stick. Wow. Amazing. And finally, what's your favourite synth?
1: Well, as I've mentioned, I yeah. can't... I can't play a keyboard. I can't play. I can't play. So, my favourite synthesizer, as such, is. Um, well, I'll give a, I'll give a plug to a gentleman who is a friend of mine as well, who who makes um, modular synthesizers or module, modules. Um, who comes out of Bristol called Bug uh, Tom Bugs, and he's he has. Um, if you're looking for better made stuff than Eurorack, which is great right. right as well, but it's miniature, right? this, yeah. gentleman, this gentleman makes slightly bigger um, modules and another sister uh, on the, it's, I think it's called the FRAC, uh, right. left, left, anyway, um, called Bug Brand, and the Bug Brand stuff for me, I really love it. It's not Buchler. it's not... Um, it's not West Coast, easy. it's it's uh, it's called Bug Brand, and, and he makes really solid, well-made stuff. So oh, that yeah. sounds good. Have you been to Synthfest in Sheffield? No, I was able, to, I was trying to go this year, but I couldn't make it. But I've been to a few other, I think to a festival in Bristol called Bristronica, which was more Eurorack than that. But right. um, yeah, I'd love to go to Synthfest. But, Synthfest
0: um, is great, actually. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, that, that normally takes place in the venue where... Hopefully, you'll be DJing with me for this. It's called the Octagon in Sheffield. Um, um, That's it. What a pleasure it's been. Oh, thank you. Listen, my pleasure
1: as well. My pleasure.
0: Well, I hope it wasn't um, too boring for you. (laughs) I'm not being facetious. (laughs) No, I, I mean, you do a lot of interviews and obviously highly experienced on the TV and everything. So. Yeah, uh, I try to keep things uh, relevant and interesting. So, Marcus,
1: it, it was an honor. It was an honor. Thank you very much for inviting me. You, I mean, I feel like I'm in, in, in amazing company with your other guests you've had on the program. So,
0: oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: so you know, so all I can say is it's it's, been, it's very kind of you to invite me on the show. And you're uh, up
0: there with Gary Newman, you know Tony Visconti, all those people. Can you imagine that's that's that? Great. <laughs> All right, Steve. Listen, I'll, I'll contact you offline about the DJ thing. Brilliant, cool, man. Yeah, have a good day. Bye. Well, that was a, re- a revelation, wasn't it? Steve Davis, what a, a really decent chap. I know a few people who've had dealings with him in the past and say what a lovely guy he is. And I'm hoping, stay in touch with him, and um, that he might DJ for one of my events next year and we can do maybe an electronic collaboration at some point. Hope everyone's okay. Send me an email if you want, Martin with a Y, at gmail.com if you have any comments about the podcast. Consider supporting the Patreon, patreon.com slash ours, and I will bring you another astonishing and very, very interesting guest next week. Bye. Uh, this is from Matt Cole. Dear Martin, the Hem 17 show in Philadelphia was absolutely brilliant. It was worth—it was more than worth the 40-year wait. The in-between song banter was almost worth the price for a mission alone. I only learned about your podcast after the show, so I have a lot of listening to do. So far, I particularly enjoyed the Peter Hook one, uh, Eli, uh, Ellie Jackson, Stephen Morris, Steve Coogan, Midjew. You are clearly a self-effacing person and the, uh, uh, and fine interviewer. Thank you. I just saw Stereolab in Philadelphia Friday night and thought Tim Gain or Letitia Sadler would be solid prospects for the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for the podcast. Really is a tonic in what are still troubled times, especially politically here and in the UK. Well, the UK is now a full-on flame, a full-on on flames shit show. Um, God knows where it's going. No idea. Um... Robbie Ryan. Hello again, Martin. Hope you're well. I'm back in Primrose Hill or wherever you're else. Well, I'm now in Marylebone, but thank you. Um, loving the new live set. So much fun. You and Glenn and the young ladies were superb. The young ladies. I remember when you introduced Temptation, he said, thank you, brothers, which maybe most of the audience didn't get the reference that you were using the Brothers in Rhythm version as a backing track. Well, it's a bit more than the backing track, but the arrangement, yeah. Steve Anderson. Has a wonderful podcast similar to yours, but obviously more focused on the 90s era. He can be reached here. I know he's a Heaven 17 fan, as who wouldn't be? Also, no doubt as you are aware, since pop fans in America know your work deeply, but the general public in many cases do not. Uh... I had a funny conversation with a woman at your gig who accosted me slightly for being too young to be at a Heaven 17 gig. My response was, I'm 48. Of course, I was only one or two when Being Boiled was released, and six or seven when Penthouse and Payment came out. I'm a lifelong fan and an admirer anyway. All the best. Thanks and cheers, Robbie Ryan. Thanks, Robbie. <clears throat> this is from Mike Worley. Mike Worley. Yo, Martin, fucking brilliant book, man. Just in the track-by-track track bit now. Had no idea you were into immersive and 3D since 2000 either. I do video and XR stuff. The way you spoke about socialism, family and community rang very true for me. Really enjoying the new, brackets to me, Human League, M17, B F, and other rarities it's enabled me to seek out. It's been a joy, thanks. It strikes me that my son's 2020 retro-spacey Silo fi lockdown ignition anthem might be your cup of Kahlua. Trevor Horn following me on SoundCloud must mean something. He's just finished a music technology BSC, blah blah blah. Ignition retronic is the name. Uh, Mike Worley thank you, Mike.